Uh, Daniel 7 is the last installment of the B.C. History of Redemption series. That's our quick trot through the Old Testament. In the fall, Will's going to start up a new series, Lost and Found. More details on that coming. Uh, regarding the B.C. series, I thought of uh, a quote from St. Augustine. So St. Augustine said, and I believe it, yeah, okay, there we go. The new is in the old concealed the old is in the new revealed. So let's unpack that just a little bit. So the New Testament is concealed inside the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is revealed when we explore the New Testament. So the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. I really like it. Of course, it rhymes, so that's really cool. So that's what the story of, of the B.C. story of redemption is all about, exploring how Jesus is hidden inside the Old Testament scriptures. So it's all about finding those veiled references to Jesus in the Old Testament. For example, in Genesis 2, we've already found out that Jesus is the snake crusher. He is the conqueror of Satan. In Genesis 6 through 9, Jesus is Noah's ark of salvation. In Genesis 12, He's the promised seed of Abraham. In Genesis 28, Jesus is the one who blesses Jacob the trickster and graciously changes his name to Israel. Jesus is also the ladder to heaven in that story. In the story of Jacob, or excuse me, of Joseph, we find that Jesus is the one who redeems the broken relationships of Joseph. In Exodus 12, Jesus is the Passover lamb. In Exodus 40, Jesus is greater than the tabernacle, which allows us to enter the presence of the Holy God. In Joshua chapter 5, Jesus is the man with the drawn sword, the commander of the God's army. In 2 Samuel 7, he's the everlasting kingdom promised to David. In Jonah, Jesus is the sign of Jonah the prophet who is resurrected after three days. In Isaiah 53, Jesus is the suffering servant. In Ezekiel 38, Jesus is the good shepherd. And in Daniel 7, well, that's what we'll find out a little bit more today. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time in the Word. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be free to guide and instruct us and teach us and to edify us and uh, to build us up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we're in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, and that's where we'll start. So Daniel, who was he? Uh, when Jerusalem was conquered by Babylon, Daniel, as a young boy, was carried away uh, to Babylon. So he lived in a foreign land, not by his choice, and he served for a long time in the king's courts. And actually, I think, at least three different kings. So Daniel lived more than 500 years before Jesus. So that's like half a millennium. Uh, does anybody happen to have any grandparents or parents that have lived 500 years? 500, any? Okay, seeing none. Now, I'm sure maybe watching somebody's raising their hand. But now my mom's mother, my maternal grandma, came within a couple weeks of living to be 100 years, and I thought that was a pretty old person. So anybody want to make any guesses about the world and say 500 years? That'd be like 80, 2,500, okay? COVID kind of messed up my crystal ball for the near-term future, much less 500 years out. 
Anyway, but the book of Daniel is kind of has two different sections. The first section, 1 through 6, is all about events that happened to Daniel. And then the second half, verses or chapters 7 through 12, are visions that Daniel had. So we're in chapter 7, so that's a vision. So there's the vision of four beasts, there's the vision of the Son of Man, and then an interpretation of that vision. So let's read uh, the first eight verses. The vision of the four beasts. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then I looked as its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth, it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. So, okay. We've got four beasts here. We have a lion, and this is the unadorned lion, okay? If I didn't get the bonus pack from Amazon, that would have the wings and everything. This is just the straight animal version. So, the lion, then there's a bear, a leopard, and then this horned beast. So, verse 17, later on in the chapter, lets us know that these four beasts represent four kings. Daniel says in uh, verse 17, these four beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. So, I'm jumping ahead for, to the interpretation section. But, it's interesting that this vision is a parallel to the, ver the vision that King Nebuchadnezzar saw in chapter 2, and Daniel got to interpret that vision for uh, Nebuchadnezzar. So in the chapter 2 vision, there was four or five, kind of depending on how you count them, but there was a gold kingdom, a silver kingdom, a bronze kingdom, an iron kingdom, and then kind of an alloy of clay and iron together. So the key in these visions is the succession of kings and kingdoms. So in the chapter 2 vision, the kingdom of gold is followed by the kingdom of silver, the silver is followed by bronze, and bronze is followed by the kingdom of clay and iron. So in chapter 7, we've got the lion king first. So I'm sorry, but I haven't been in Kid City for a while, so this is as close as I get to Kid City. 
So he gets to be the king. So he's having a lot of fun. Hey, guys, I'm the king, okay? But then, after a while, his kingdom ends. So he goes belly up. Now we've got the bear king. So the bear kingdom comes along. He's strong. He's growling at everybody, doing all that stuff, being, having fun, being king. And then his reign ends. He goes belly up. Now we've got the leopard guy. Now this is not the tiger king, okay? Some of you have been watching too much media and you think this is the tiger. This is not the tiger king. This is the leopard king. So the leopard king's come along. He's having fun being the leopard, grand old time, and then pretty soon he goes belly up, and we've got the beast, the horned beast. And again, for those of you who are TCU alumni, this is the horned beast. This is not a horned frog. Those are different. Okay. So anyway, the main thing is he's got horns. That's, that's the big idea. This guy's got horns, and that kind of represents strength. And again, he's only got two horns. I really need about 10 or 13. I don't know how to count them, but that's all that I had. So anyway, that's the whole story. So that's the key for that. So one after another, these earthly kingdoms fade from the scene. Man's earthly kingdoms and other political posts end. Now, humankind may try to hang on to power as long as possible, but there is an end. Now, our presidents follow that same pattern of succession. One president follows the previous president, then there's another president. So whoever gets elected this fall won't be president forever. It's four years or possibly eight years tops. Then a new president will move into the White House to succeed the former. I plan to vote in the November election. I want to fulfill my civic duty and try to shape the future of my country. But I want to resist the temptation to place my hope in a president or in a particular political party. So my hope should not rest in the temporary human power of a president or political party. Daniel's vision shows the temporary nature of human rulers. The lion first, so we had the lion, then the bear, then the leopard, and then the horned beast. So they followed. They were not all king at the same time. They didn't have to play nicely. One was king, and then they followed. Okay. So the, this ongoing turnover is in sharp contrast to the Son of Man in verses 13 and 14. So those are the verses that Sawyer read. I'll read those again. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. That shall not be destroyed. So the Son of Man now appears in Daniel's vision. Who is this Son of Man? Well, he's given an everlasting dominion. There is no end. There is no successor who comes after him. His reign has started, and it will not come to an end. In addition, since his dominion is everlasting, there's also no start date. The Son of Man was never the new king on the block. He just always 
has been the king. There is no end and no beginning. It's everlasting. And if you want more information on that, you can go look up Melchizedek in Genesis 14, and the writer of Hebrews spends a lot of time talking about that in Hebrews 7. So anyway, spoiler alert, Jesus is the Son of Man. The Son of Man is Jesus' favorite title for himself in the Gospels in the New Testament. It's like 80 times that Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. So I think uh, all of the Gospels have somewhere between 13 and 30 references to the Son of Man. So I had the difficult task of, I just picked the top four. I got to do that, you know. Normally you can go online and you can find, you know, the top whatever stuff reviewed, and I had to find these myself. So Jesus is the Son of Man who is the friend of sinners. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So Jesus, the Son of Man, is friend of sinners. Jesus, who is the Son of Man, also has authority to forgive sins. Jesus uh, brought this out when he healed the paralyzed man. Mark 2, 9 through 11. Which is easier to say to the paralytic who had just been healed, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. So Jesus, the Son of Man, has authority to forgive sins. In Luke, we learn that Jesus, the Son of Man, is the one about whom the prophets prophesied. In Luke 18, 31. So when Jesus, he was taking the 12 disciples, he said to them, See, we are going to, up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. So Jesus is the Son of Man about whom the prophets prophesied. In John, we learn that the Son of Man died on the cross for the eternal life of believers. In John 3, 14 and 15, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, I believe. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So Jesus' death, the Son of Man, on the cross provides our entrance into eternal life through our faith in him. So, yes, we can safely say that Jesus is the Son of Man in the New Testament. Daniel tells us that the power of the Son of Man is unmeasurable. There is no one who can destroy or overthrow him and take over as a new king. The reign of the four kings, the lion, the bear, the leopard, the horned beast, they all end. The reign of the Son of Man does not end. It's also interesting in Daniel... When he talks about these four beasts, he all says, he says of all of them that they came up out of the sea. Kind of really sounds like the start of a horror movie or something that indicates their human origin. Whereas Jesus, where does he come from? The Son of Man comes with clouds of heaven. That indicates his divine origin. So Jesus declared himself to be the Son of Man during his first coming. But it is interesting that he specifically refers to coming on the clouds to be a sign of his second coming. 
His second coming is a reassurance that his kingdom and dominion is unending. So starting in Matthew 26, uh, we skip to the point where Jesus is on trial, so he's uh, before the high priest. So Matthew 26, verses 59 through 65, which I believe, yes, thank you. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. So they were intent on putting Jesus to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. So the high priest listened to the witnesses' testimony about Jesus' words. And these actually were true words. Jesus did say, I can destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. But the high priest uh, kind of thought that was at least a somewhat interesting statement, maybe treasonous, but not really gripping, not that kind of let's put this guy to death statement. So the high priest pleaded with Jesus to declare whether he is the Son of God or not. And Jesus replies with a reference to Daniel 7, 13. With the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. So after Jesus' response, the Jewish high priest immediately recognized that Jesus was declaring himself to be God, the Son of Man, from Daniel's 500-year-old writings. The high priest declared that Jesus had uttered blasphemy. He, in other words, he recognized Jesus had declared himself to be God. Now, the high priest was not a Roman politician. He was not a soldier that might not know Scripture. The Jewish high priest is the one who immediately made the connection with Daniel's writings. Jesus was about to die on the cross. So from a human perspective at that time in history, it kind of looked like maybe his reign is about over. But Jesus stated that he is coming back again. His reign as King Jesus has not ended. His dominion has not been destroyed. So how does this news of this never-ending kingdom affect me? Let's keep on reading to find out how. I'll go to Daniel 7, 23 through 25. So this is the section where the vision is interpreted a little bit. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, he, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times 
and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. So this discussion in this part of the chapter is about the fourth horn beast, and it's really describing tribulation. So the saints of the Most High, the Son of Man, they will face persecution. Now I happen to regard this tribulation as a future tribulation. There have been many periods of tribulation and persecution against believers since Daniel's vision, and those periods represent at the very least a partial fulfillment fulfillment of Daniel's prophetic tribulation. But looking forward, my vision's a little blurry in this regard, so for the purposes of this sermon, we'll just call it a future one. So how long will this persecution last? Daniel says this period is for a time, times, and half a time. Now, I've always struggled to kind of grasp what a time, times, and half a time. I'm an engineer, okay? Accuracy, precision, and units are everything. If you're going to build a dam, you can't just say make it about five high. Five what high? Is this five meters? Is this five feet? Five stories? What? You've got to tell me units. So that's always bothered me an awful lot. But finally, this week, when I read it in the midst of COVID, it made perfect sense. How long has COVID quarantine been going on? Oh, about time and a half. That response just rolls off my tongue, and it seems perfectly sensible and easy to understand. I walk around the house, and I look at a calendar, and I kind of stare at it blankly. It's really hard to figure out what month is it. Should I flip this calendar over? Well, to know whether I should flip it over, I need to know what month it is right now. And I don't know. Today feels so much like yesterday, except more so. You know, today is Blur's Day, right? So time has a new dimension or no dimension at all. Now, I, obviously, I recognize COVID is not the tribulation with a capital T in Daniel. Tribulation described in Daniel involves persecution of God's people. Christians are not specifically persecuted by COVID. We're all under this together. So COVID is not the tribulation. It's a trial. We're all experiencing that trial in different ways. So I need hope, though, to make it through COVID, which is the li a little t trial. I also need hope to make it through a future tribulation with the capital T. So let's keep reading in verse 26. So Daniel 7, 26. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. So the dominion we're talking about here that's being destroyed is the dominion of the fourth horned beast. In the midst of seemingly never-ending trials and tribulation, there's an interjection. But, yes, it seems like Satan's despair and or the fourth horned beast is strong. It seems like there's no end to this trial or tribulation that's going on for time, times, and half a time. But... The evil one's kingdom and power and strength will come to an end. So picking up in verse 27 of Daniel 7, And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So in verse 27, we see this switch from talking about the kingdom and dominion of the fourth horned beast 
to the kingdom of the Son of Man that will be an everlasting kingdom. All dominions shall serve and obey the Son of Man. Even the dominion of the fourth beast shall serve and obey the powerful Son of Man. Even the dominion of Satan shall serve and obey. Even the dominion of despair shall serve and obey the Son of Man. The one king who has an everlasting dominion which can never be destroyed. The kingdom of the Son of Man will never end. And that is the hope that I so desperately need when I stare at that calendar blankly. Now, Andrew likes to give uh, his hearers a charge at the end. So I guess I want to follow in that pattern. I really think that's nice. So what charge am I giving you today? What charge is being issued to you that you can take home with you in the week ahead? Well, first of all, I want to charge you not to hope in a human leader, one whose reign will draw to a close. Instead, place your hope in King Jesus, the Son of Man, whose reign will never come to an end and whose dominion cannot be destroyed. So the Son of Man is friend of sinners. That gives us hope because we are sinners. The Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. That gives us hope because we need forgiveness. The Son of Man, lifted up on the cross, has accomplished eternal life for believers. We need the hope of eternal life. The Son of Man has an everlasting kingdom, and we are part of that everlasting kingdom through faith in Him. So in conclusion, I want to read verse 27 over the assembled saints of the Most High one more time. And the kingdoms and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him.